Hi everyone, welcome to the latest Pensions in 10. Uh, me and Simon talking you through the latest Pensions news, the things we've spotted. How are you doing, Simon? You look slightly more familiar surroundings this time. Uh, I'm very well, thank you, Dave. Hello uh, to you and to all of our viewers, uh, both of them. Uh, I hope they uh, they enjoy what's coming up. Uh, and for, yes, in more familiar surroundings, I'm not in a hotel in Brighton. Um, I don't have mood lighting uh, today. And we've only only got two stories today uh, and our finisher uh, because we've got quite quite chunky stories to get through. Yeah, two chunky ones. So the general levy, so a consultation from the government on how they want to increase that. And you've been poking around in the interdepartmental review of the pensions regulator, some juicy things in there. And we'll save the fun finisher for the end. Enjoy. Well, Dave, it appears the DWP have suggested some tinkering around the edges of the general levy. Can you talk us through that, please? Uh, yes, it depends who you ask whether they think it's tinkering or sledgehammering, because um, our chief actuary got quite vexed about this this week and a few others. I've had my email has been quite hot on this one. So the general levy is um, a scheme based charge which which funds um, bodies like the pensions regulator, the pension ombudsman and the money and pension service. And it's paid annually um, uh, sort of a per member charge. So depending on how large your scheme is, will determine how much you pay. And the levy uh, looks at different schemes in different buckets. So you get the defined benefit schemes, master trusts, occupational DC and personal pensions um, with slightly different charging structures. And there is a shortfall in the funding of these bodies um, of around 200 million pounds that the government can see getting larger. And so they're consulting on ways to raise more money, basically. And they've put across uh, three options. Uh, the first option is to make no changes, um, which doesn't feel like a, a starter to me. Uh, the second option is to increase the levy by six and a half percent. Had to read that six and a half percent over the next few years, which um, seems more reasonable. But the third option and their preferred option is to increase the levy by four percent. But then in year three, so in year three, when this is effective, this will be 2026, is that any scheme with less than 10,000 members, they determine that to be a small scheme with less than 10,000 members, will get hit by a £10,000 premium, which will create eye-wateringly large charges. So, for example, a scheme with around 78 members, let's say, um, will pay a charge at the moment of around £500. Their charge in the 26 levy year will be around £10,500. So, a 2,000-ish percent increase, um, which seems astonishing. Um, and so the background to this, and the government has stated this in the consultation document, is they're keen to encourage schemes to consolidate in this in intervening period before this 10,000 premium kicks in. So it's going to be a, a small scheme penalty for not consolidating. And this applies to DC and DB in exactly the same way. So if we just consider um, DC schemes for a second, those that don't consolidate, and we you know there's a lot going on with value for members, will have this charge. And that will be a challenge for value for members because who's going to pay this charge? Probably the members in some way, you know. So that's that's causing lots of people to get upset. Also, in the realms of DB schemes, 10,000 members is a large DB scheme. That is not a small DB scheme. So this covers around 95% of the whole DB market. So that is just going to, you know, there it will not affect all schemes because as you go up the scales, not all schemes you know, will be paying more than the £10,000 anyway. But this is just a sledgehammer to, to, to deal with a, a problem of uh, consolidation and um, it's getting people very, very annoyed. 
So Simon, um, something caught your eye that um, I think might have missed a few of us and passed us by was a departmental review of the pensions regulator conducted by Mary Starks, who was uh, formerly the chief economist at the FCA. Um, is there anything in there that we should be taking taking note of? Thanks, Dave. Yeah, there's quite a few things. Um, and the the language that's used, I think, is quite, uh, quite interesting and quite telling. We've had dribs and drabs of this in, in the press over the last week or so, but I thought it was worth spending a little bit of time just teasing out some of the, the suggestions. So there are 17 suggestions in all um, that Mary Starks as lead reviewer has uh, suggested. Um, some of those are, are more sort of internal governance, um, so less, less interesting than, than some of the headlines. The first recommendation is that TPR remains a standalone entity for the time being. Uh, and I'll come back to that um, because the some of the other uh, suggestions or recommendations um, will lead me to expand on that. Um, they suggest that the uh, they should understand the costs and benefits of extending TPR's remit to cover pensions administrators uh, and introduce formal standards and authorization um, for professional trustees. Uh, so that's going a step further than having the APPT. Uh, and PMI's accreditation for professional trustees. So that would be hard coding that. Traditionally, the regulator hasn't really been uh, a fan of that because they did have a register of uh, independent trustees back in the day and used that to appoint GP Noble to a few schemes. Uh, and we know how that ended. So there's been a bit of a reluctance, um, but I think there's a, a, a real sea change to suggest that the regulator should be regulating professional trustees, uh, whether that comes to fruition or not, yet to be seen. Um, we've seen in the press recently that the regulator is contacting administrators. Mm -hmm. So is that a precursor to them actually regulating them? We'll, we'll have to see. Um, another suggestion recommendation is that DWP considers delegating day-to-day -day regulatory powers to the regulator. Quite what that means, I'm not sure, Dave, if I'm being entirely <laughs> honest. Is that going to give the regulator the power to decide what it does and how it does it without DWP independent oversight? Uh, that wouldn't work. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think we need to see a bit, bit more um, flesh on the bones of that one. Um, DWP consider simplifying the FSD regime. I can understand that. Um, it's a very, very clunky FSD um, uh, financial support directions and contribution notices. Um, they're quite unwieldy tools for the regulator. They have to jump through an awful lot of hoops. It's quite a high bar. It takes an awful lot of time uh, for them to, to bring their case together. So allowing them to do that more swiftly. Um, I've said previously that maybe removing the determinations panel um, process uh, in enabling uh, the, the regulator to to use their powers a little more swiftly. Maybe that's something that could be looked at. I don't know. Again, we'll, we'll see as that expands. Um, this one, I think, is an absolute doozy, and I'm surprised this hasn't been picked up. TPR consider the cost-effective options to secure contributions early from employers in financial difficulty. <laughs> now, from a, a logical perspective, right, I get where this is coming from. Uh, we see lots of reports of, uh, of employers in distress in the press. Um, the regulator's powers are retrospective, so we have to wait for the employer to fall over effectively for the regulator then to go in. We saw it with Nortel and Lehman back in the day. Um, uh, we've seen it in, in numerous other cases where after 
um, but the dust has settled, the regulator then goes in to try and recover monies. So I understand the logic behind suggesting the regulator can act proactively and get in before the employer enters administration uh, or has a, a financial failing. But then that would mean that the regulator would effectively condemn an employer um, to insolvency or could do. Mm. I don't know how palatable that would be for the regulator to do that because it would open them to significant criticism from the press, from CBI, from or numerous bodies, um, not least sponsors. Yeah. Uh, and the sponsors could be struggling, could be trying to refinance, could be trying to find safe harbour with someone to buy the business. Um, the regulator going in and confusing that process, hampering that process, uh, I think would be unhelpful in the vast majority of cases, although I appreciate that we are looking at members' benefits uh, and if they can be secured at or above PPF levels, then that's obviously better for the members. But it comes back to what I was saying in, in last week's uh, Pensions in 10. Are we looking at the problem from the wrong side? Do we need to look at what do we do to protect the members rather than how do we extract more cash from from sponsors um, so that one concerns me um, and then there's a, a recommendation as well that they they uh, come up with a strategy to drive consolidation among smaller schemes uh, we're seeing that there's there's a lot of move music around bringing smaller schemes together mm. again quite how that that works is that necessarily the best thing for a well-run smaller scheme perhaps not um, and then uh, should TPR be fully funded by the pension sector? Uh, so you're talking um, uh, earlier about the general levy, um, but we take that from um, the, the, the general levy and the schemes. So then who picks it up? Um, mm. It's either going to be the scheme or the sponsor. And either way, it could be the member that suffers if it increases the deficit or reduces the, uh, the, the payments going into the scheme. So coming back to the point at the start, remaining a standalone entity for the time being, is this a means of getting its house in order? So ultimately, TPR then becomes part of FCA. Is this part of the grander plan? Perhaps. We've heard in the press over the last uh, last few days a suggestion that Master Trust be regulated by the FCA rather than TPR. Uh, I think that would be the thin end of the wedge because either you move all DC stuff to the FCA and leave the regulator to do DB, which we know is is uh, a reducing pool. So uh, that means there's only a finite um, mm. life for the pensions regulator. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I just wonder where this is going um, and what this is signalling. But uh, it's certainly going to be very interesting. It does feel like, you know, just from your rundown there, that this is ticking a lot of the biggest boxes you know, we talk about pension, you know, we're talking about you know, auto enrollment, how that works in practice, failure of pension schemes, consolidation, you know, all this sort of stuff is still the big stuff that we all care about. So it feels like it's ticking the right areas to be looking at. So we'll definitely be looking more at, that, at this. Definitely ticking the right areas. I think it's positive that there is a, a light being shone on this. Mm. As I say, the I, I've always said about the regulator and government departments is not necessarily what they're saying, it's what they're not saying. Uh, and I, I feel I get the sense that there is an undercurrent to this that isn't being made public yet. Uh, I think it will come to light, but probably not for a couple of years. 
watch this space. Right, and for our finisher today, Simon, you've spotted the PPF expanding their investment portfolio. I have. Um, quite an interesting story, this one. The Pension Protection Fund, alongside Australian superannuation fund Unisuper and the Netherlands APG Asset Management, has acquired a Tasmanian forest management company called Forico and its plantation forestry estate. So the PPF is uh, diversifying. That's easy for me to say. Uh, under the agreement, all three investors will own 33% of Forico. What about the additional 1%? I wonder. That's not covered in the story. And the 170,000 hectare forestry estate agent as a direct investment. Uh, a good story. I thought it was a good one to end on because I think it's wonderful to see the PPF branching out. Right, on that groan. That's going to be a groan. Of course it's a groan. <laughs> Thank you all for listening and we'll see you again next time on the next Pensions in 10. Thanks. Thanks everyone.